We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. We're three games in to UConn season, and we finally have some basketball to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. Um, It's about what we expected it would be this year, right? UConn, through three games, is averaging 96 points. They are winning by an average of 39 points uh, through three games. They have five guys that are averaging between 15 points and 17 points. They have three guys that are averaging at least 3.5 assists this season. And honestly, I'm not sure how much there is to take out of what we've seen out of 120 minutes of college basketball played by the UConn Huskies so far this year. It's good to smack around a whole bunch of mid-majors. It doesn't exactly tell us how good UConn is going to be this year because they beat Mississippi Valley State by 34 points. Um, The wins so far are a little bit more impressive than they were last year when UConn won the national title. Uh, And I would make the argument that they are not quite as impressive as the wins that UConn had in the 21-22 season when they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament um, to New Mexico State. So covering versus not covering like that matters for a lot of people, a lot more than you probably expect, but it doesn't really impact what we can project from this group and what we should expect from them as a, uh, as a basketball team. So um, what's far more interesting to me is to talk about what is actually happening on the court, right? What we are seeing, Uh, what's new, what's different, what's expected, what is unexpected, rotations, sets, schemes, all that different kind of stuff. So we will get to all that, I promise. But before we do, I I, I just want to say, don't ask me. I don't know more than you do about Steph Castle's knee injury, right? What I'm hearing is that it's not all that serious, that UConn is going to be cautious, that they're not going to rush him back if they don't have to. Um, it's a similar, uh, it's a similar situation as clinging, not that it's going to be an injury that takes that long to, uh, to recover from, but it's something where they're not going to force him to step back on a court until they are 100% sure that he is 100% healthy. Um, uh, 
both of these injuries were in the grand scheme of things relatively minor uh, but knees and feet and lottery picks are not something that you want to mess with point blank period um and especially when all you're talking about is non-conference games right like win lose or draw against indiana texas and louisville well maybe not louisville but win lose and draw against uh win lose or draw against indiana or texas and UConn is still very much set up to be able to get a solid seed in the NCAA tournament. They want a title as a three seed. They want a title as a seven seed. They want a title as a four seed, right? Like you can make runs in March when you're not a number one seed or a number two seed. You can make runs in March when you lose a couple of games that you probably shouldn't lose. And um, playing Indiana, playing Texas, playing Louisville, that's not going to impact Biggie's tournament seeding. That's not going to impact Biggie's regular season standings. If it means, if playing it safe means that you got to take an L in Madison Square Garden on Sunday night or Monday night, then I think that you play it safe. You let you you let the season play out, and uh, you hope that guys like Solo Ball can step up and and, and do a job in Steph Castle's absence. So, um, it is what it is, man. Be safe. Make sure he's healthy. Don't ruin any long term careers, and uh, find a way to win if he's not there. Both these games are very winnable, and against uh, programs that. I think UConn probably still has more talent than whether or not uh, Steph Castle's on the floor. So we're going to have a preview of those games here in just a little bit, a preview of the Empire Classic. But first, let's talk through some UConn reactions, and that will come after I make the request that uh, you know is coming. Please rate, please review, please subscribe to this podcast. If you enjoy the content that I'm providing for absolutely free, by the way, um, the best way to to help support it, the best way to say thank you is to simply just in, interact, engage, like, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things that you know is going to make me happy as a podcaster. And that's really all I can ask. So uh, from there, um, let's just talk about initial reactions to uh, to UConn this season and, and the three games and the three blowout wins that we've seen against mid-major competition. And I think the first is obvious, right? Like, it looks like Caravan's taking a step forward offensively and he's being more aggressive. And it looks like Tristan Newton is taking a step forward offensively and he's going to be a little bit more aggressive. And um, I do think that's important because if UConn is going to be, I was talking to Randolph Childress about this the other day, if UConn's going to be in a position where they can go win a national title, they need Tristan Newton to not be a, a 10, four and a half, four and a half guy. They need him to be a 16, five and five guy that shoots 38% from three. And right now he's averaging almost exactly that. Um, they need Alex Caravan to be a go-to guy offensively and not just a role player and a piece um, for the roster. And I think that through three games, he's been exactly that. So um, again, mid-major competition, only so much that you can take out of it. But I think those are promising signs and the things that you want to see if you're going to try to project UConn moving forward as a uh, top five national title threat, not just a contender, a national title threat. Um, I think Cam Spencer is real. Like We'll talk a little bit more about him later on, but I think he is the real deal. I think he's going to be a very, very good piece for UConn, and uh, I can't wait to see um, what the staff does to kind of scheme them in different situations. We'll get to that in a second. Castle's ready, too. Like, I think with those four guys, you basically have four dudes that can all get a bucket and that can three of them, three of whom can make a three um, to put around Klingon, right? I think three of them are going to shoot high 30s when it comes to three-point shooting percentage. I think three of them are capable of putting on the ball, putting the ball on the floor, drawing a defender, getting in the lane, and throwing a lob to the dunker spot for uh Klingon or Samson Johnson or kicking out to somebody wide open on the perimeter for a three. So um, 
the the larger point I guess is that with with that starting five, I think it's very easy to see just how difficult it's going to be to guard UConn this year. Right, like I don't think it's a fluke that they're averaging 96 points through three games. I think Hurley wants to run. I think he wants to be creative offensively. I think we're going to see pace. I think we're going to see space. I think we're going to see a lot of shooting. I think we're going to see a lot of lobs. I think we're going to see a very fun offensive team uh, to watch play. So, um, I think my biggest, if there's like a a single takeaway to have, I think that it might be that Cam Spencer is the best passer on this team. Um, you know, Castle can make a lot of the like, you know, uh, come off a ball screen, get downhill, read a tagger, one hand pass to the deep corner kind of a stuff. And he's a little bit flashier in the lane. But but Spencer makes a lot of really, really high IQ, easy passes that lead to buckets. Um, I think it's very easy for the UConn staff to scheme a lot of that stuff. And I think as a result, we're going to see a really high number from Spencer in terms of what he creates. Uh, he's just... He's such a good, solid. Um, I'm I'm gonna put out all the cliches that you would expect for a, a guy that looks like him, but that's that's kind of who he is as a basketball player. And uh, I don't think that that's necessarily gonna slow down. I'm not saying he's gonna score 25 every night like he did against Mississippi Valley. I'm not saying he's gonna hit seven threes every night. Uh, but I think that he is a 13 point, couple rebound, couple assists, smart positional defending kind of a player, and that is exactly what UConn needed in that role for him. Um, the bench, I think, is a little bit of a concern for me, right? We know kind of what Samson is, and the idea of him is uh, is really intriguing. Um, I think you can say the same about Solo Ball, um, and I think that when it comes to San Diara, like we know exactly who and what he is and what he can provide. Um, and those three guys are all, I think, going to be impactful and valuable in the role that they're going to play. And I think they've kind of solidified where they are in that rotation, right? Like, you know, Samson Johnson is going to be the first big guy off the bench. Uh, you know, that solo ball is going to be the first guy off the bench for Tristan Newton, Cam Spencer, um, any of the guys on that, that perimeter attack, right? For Steph Castle, any of the guys in the perimeter, solo ball is the first guy to come in. And if it's not solo ball, then it's going to be a Sandiar. Like we kind of know what the top eight of this UConn team is. Um, I don't think any of those three have been at their best yet, and that's probably something that should be expected three games into the season, but uh, I do want to see a little bit more from them. Um, I'm also, I think you need to get one of Jaden Ross or Jalen Stewart to be like an active, impactful player in the ninth man role because you don't have someone right now that is uh, is well-suited to replacing Caravan and sparing him for a couple minutes and has actually proven that he can do it on the floor so far this year. Um, Ross has seen more time through three games. He was the first guy off the bench. But Stewart, to me, is clearly the more talented of the the duo, um, to the point that I'm starting to wonder, like, how much of Hurley's offseason push and offseason narrative and offseason discussion about how good Jaden Ross has looked in practice, how much of that was simply a motivational tactic to try to get uh, Jalen Stewart to say, ah, fuck coach, fuck these guys, fuck those guys. Um, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to show them that they're wrong, right? I, I just, I, I wonder after seeing the start of the season, because um, I, look, 
maybe it was just a bad couple games, but I've seen three games and a practice for UConn, and Jaden Ross hasn't looked um, like more than just a guy in any of the four times that I've seen him play. So hopefully Jaden Jalen Stewart will end up being that dude and, and taking that step forward. I thought his first uh, – the first actions – that he was involved in against Northern Arizona pretty much summed up what he is going to be this season. That's Jalen Stewart. Um, first time he stepped on the floor, he got embarrassed trying to box somebody out and gave him an offensive rebound, kind of thrown out of the way. Um, and then after that possession, there's transition to the other other end of the floor, and he immediately follows up that missed box out with a really, really impressive layup and finish and transition. It kind of sums up where he is right now. The natural ability, the talent is there, but – He's got to find a way to be able to tap into that talent and that physicality and that athleticism and that ability uh, and find a way to be able to bring it consistently on a day-to-day basis. Um, Now, I know UConn fans don't want to keep hearing me bang this drum, but I'm still kind of like a little bit worried about the defensive side of the ball. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, Parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I thought that Tristan Newton, Solo Ball, Camp Spencer, and even Alex Caraman to a point were beat on straight line drives to the bucket a couple times more than I would have liked to see. I think Stonehill specifically did some really interesting things to be able to pull Klingon away from the basket and make him defend in space. Um, Stonehill just didn't have the talent to be able to really capitalize on it the way that somebody else would, like a Marquette, um, like a Villanova, uh, I think even to a point like a Providence. Now, the good news is that like most of the best teams in college basketball have a bruiser at the five, so it's not something that is going to be consistently worrisome throughout the season uh, or consistently worrisome once you get to March, but throughout the season, uh, I, I am just kind of worried because some of the best teams that don't have traditional five men happen to reside in the same conference that UConn does. Now, in a pinch, I think that Samson Johnson can be a guy that can be effective in defensive minutes at the five, but uh, taking Klingon out is um, is a significant g- game changer because I think I think that part of why UConn is going to continue to play the same aggressive uh, defensive style, the same kind of pressuring in the half court style is because they know that they have one of the best erasers in and around the basket. Like you ain't finishing anything around the bucket if Klingon's in there. Right. And I think he is still, I think part of the reason why the straight line drives were so loud is that he's still kind of playing his way back into shape, right? He played 15 minutes in the opener. He played 16 minutes in the second game. And then he played 23 minutes against Mississippi Valley state. And he was like still in there sprinting the floor with two minutes left. I think they're really trying to get him back to the point where um, he's able to play 25 to 30 minutes in a, in a close game against uh, elite level competition. So um, he's clearly not back to where he needs to be yet. But when he gets there, 
I think part of why I'm a little bit, I'm not super worried about you kind of offensively is that part of the strategy when it comes to playing that style with guys that aren't like phenomenal athletes on the perimeter is that, you know, that as long as you run somebody off of the three point line, you're running them directly into a seven foot three skyscraper, right? Like part of why, Creighton has been so good defensively the last two years, despite having guys like Baylor Shireman and Ryan Nemhard and um, maybe lesser one-on-one defenders on their perimeter, is that they just funnel everything to Kalkbrenner. And Kalkbrenner is so damn good at just being big, being in the way, and walling up. Like, that's all you got to do. We saw Ryan Young do it in the Champions Classic for Duke against Michigan State. Like, be big, wall up, be in the way know how to get to the position that you need to be able to get to. And uh, you can be a very, very, very effective five-man rim protector, even if you aren't a great shot blocker. And guess what? Donovan McLean is a great shot blocker. So um, Creighton was the number 15 defense in the country last season. They were number 14 the season before that. Uh, if UConn can match that level of adjusted defensive efficiency, um, those numbers are according to Kempom, with the offensive weaponry that they have, I do believe that uh, – they are going to be in that same kind of tier as the likes of Kansas, as the likes of Purdue, um, as the likes of maybe even in Arizona this season. Like that, that's to me, that's kind of the the saving grace defensively. You might get beaten off the floor, but we have so like such a great rim protector on the bucket. It may not matter. So um that's kind of where I'm at on the defense. I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth with it, but I just I'm really, really curious to see what it'll look like against high level competition. And uh, honestly, that might not happen until Sunday. I hope uh, Indiana fans don't find that. Um, one lineup that was really interesting to me was when uh, when Dan Hurley played Alex Caravan some minutes at the five, um, and I believe that it was the first game and. We had Stephen Castle, Solo Ball, San Diara, um, and Cam Spencer, and Tristan Newton. All five of them got at least a couple possessions with Caravan at the five. Now, I'm not sure that you want to play that group for like 15 minutes um, together. It just There's not enough rebounding. There's not enough defensive uh, stability, especially when you're talking about stability. Stability, uh, that was a tough word for me to say, especially when you're talking about teams that will have a talented and uh mobile five man um and i do think that part of the reason we saw that lineup for as much as we did is that clinging was still uh dealing with the foot thing um and samson johnson was in early foul trouble uh but it, that that lineup that death lineup if you will um it has a chance to be really, really, really fun because of the number of shooters you could put on the floor. So we'll see if that ends up becoming a thing, and I really, really hope it does. But uh, part of me believes that was just the result of something that happened weird in that game. So uh, without further ado, let's talk about the Empire Classic. Uh, I think we need to talk about the Indiana matchup first for obvious reasons. Um, for full disclosure, they play tonight against Wright State. I am recording this before the game actually takes place. Wright State is going to be without their best player, so make sure when you look at the box score later on, remember if you watch that game, take some of that context in. But overall, Indiana has been unimpressive for um, two games so far this season. The biggest name on their roster is, uh, is Xavier Johnson. Um, he only played 11 games last year before breaking his foot. He's a big, talented lead guard. He's a scorer. Um, when he gets going, he can really, really shoot it. Uh, he's a little bit of 
a similar guy to Tristan Newton um, in the sense that like he's he's bigger and he uses kind of change of space, a change of pace and kind of savvy um, directional changing stuff as opposed to just being like a naturally gifted supreme athlete that overpowers everybody and then jumps over them. Um, but he was fairly quiet the first two games, right? Like we're not talking about like these big old loud 30 point performances. And it was one of the reasons that Indiana struggle. Now the most talented player on the roster is Khalil Ware. Uh, I mean, he is just incredible. He's a freak. He's seven, three, he's got three point range. He's an excellent passer. He can bring the ball up. He's just a wildly, wildly skilled dude who has like top five in the draft ability. Um, it's going to be a real test for Donovan Klingon in my mind if he decides to play um, and if he plays the way that he's capable of playing because uh, this is a guy that in theory is going to be able to step out in the perimeter and knock down um, a jumper. Uh, I think Trey Galloway is a good piece and he's similar to Spencer in that, you know, he's a good shooter. He's a good passer. He's a good enough defender. He plays hard. Um, he's going to make the right decision. He's going to pass the ball when it needs to be passed. He's going to help when he needs to be helped. Uh, Spencer's a little bit better. You kind of get the idea of what Trey Galloway is. I think now at the four, Indiana plays a guy named Malik Renault, who is a post player, who is physical, who is tough. We'll put on like 15 pounds of muscle this off season. Uh, that's going to be a matchup that I think that Indiana will try to attack. Um, I think they're really going to go at uh, the four spot. Um, I think that Alex Caravan is going to have to step up and prove himself a little bit in this game. And, you know, we've seen him do it already. Uh, the one thing about Renault, he's a lefty. It doesn't really have great range, but it can make it to about the 15 foot mark. That's relevant because to me, the biggest thing about this Indiana team comes down to what you do with Mackenzie and Baco. Now, Baco is a lottery level talent, a top five prospect originally committed to Duke uh, that ended up um, leaving the program and committing to Indiana over Kansas and part of the reason he committed to Indiana over Kansas is that Indiana promised him that he would be able to play the three uh he's not a three he's six nine he's a really good shooter but he's more of a four five than he is a three four in my mind and um he's trying on the defensive end he's just not there he just doesn't know where he's supposed to be he doesn't know rotations he doesn't know angles to take when he's closing out on people um, he doesn't know how to play hard on that end of the floor yet. And what ES, uh, what ESPN, what Indiana is trying to do is to switch one through four around where, and they're just not very good at it yet. Like they, they mess up switches. Um, they lose track of their man. It's just, it's not, they're not a good defensive team, at least not where they need to be yet. And I think the way that UConn moves offensively is going to give them nightmares. I think they're going to be given fits. I think that they are, uh, going to really, really struggle to keep UConn from getting open threes and getting capable driving lanes. So um, I like this matchup for UConn. I think that this is a situation where they can win by 12 to 15 points if they're making their open threes. Um, and you just got to hope that this is not the game where they figure it out offensively. You got to hope that Mbako coming back uh, close to um, close to home He's not going to show up and show out. You got to hope that the bright lights in Madison Square Garden doesn't turn Xavier Johnson into Jason Kidd and Khalil Ware into Chris uh, Stapps Porzingis. But we'll see. We'll see how it works. I still think that UConn should probably win this game by like 12 to 15 points. One thing to keep an eye on, freshman point guard Gabe Cups. 
Um, Gabe sparked a run in the second half against the Florida Gulf Coast uh, that ended up ultimately winning Indiana that game. He didn't really play all that well in the second game, but he is the one guy that I think you can bring in and it would allow you to be able to play something of a more natural lineup by moving Xavier Johnson into a role as a combo guard as opposed to just the primary lead guard. Um, but but Cups didn't play well in the second game. We'll see how he plays against Wright State. He's not quite big enough. He's like 5'11 and 155 pounds soaking wet, so you can kind of bully him a little bit when you know what's coming. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening there. And as far as Indiana's bench is concerned, like they have a couple of decent players, but um, they lost Peyton Sparks to a knee injury, and they're just not uh, not as good, as talented, or as deep as you would expect an Indiana um, Hoosiers basketball team to be. So I think UConn should be able to get that done where they'll play the winner of Louisville and Texas. Now, uh, Louisville, we know what Louisville is. They're just not very good this year. And if UConn has to somehow match up with them, um, that's not a 20-point win, then I'd be very concerned. Uh, as far as Texas is concerned, I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to watch him yet. This is going to be their first like real meaningful game. Um, but they got Max Aismas from Oral Roberts. They added Caden Shedrick from Virginia. Uh, they are a good, talented athletic team. They got Dylan Mitchell back. Um, they got Ethiel Horton from uh, from Central Florida. So uh, Dylan Disu is still questionable to, to play. Um so we'll see what ends up happening there with Texas. I haven't had a chance to watch them, so you're going to be seeing them for the, the same time, the first time, as I will be seeing them. So until then, let's go, Huskies. Let's find a way to get two wins here um, against, hopefully, uh, Indiana and Texas. And you know, I'll check in with you guys again next week once we have actual, real, live, high-major basketball games to talk about. So until then, please rate, review, subscribe, like, share. Do all of those things that you know would make me happy as a podcaster, and we will see you guys again next time.